This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 61 of the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this week are Richard Hawes. Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, there he is. Yep. And from Flickering Myth, we've got Chom Tom Jolliffe, not John Tolliffe. <laughs> you can call me that if you want, Mike. That's all right. <laughs> not, yeah. Too much of a tongue twister. Evening all. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, you might be a bit confused by the numbering of this episode. We used to be part of the Smoking Lamb, and our podcast was hosted on their website and SoundCloud. But we've decided to go it alone and have moved over to Podbean. But if you want to check out our older episodes, you can still find them on SoundCloud along with all the episodes of The Smoking Lamb itself. So what is the DTV Digest? Well, we are a fortnightly podcast that champions and speaks up for those films that didn't make it to your local multiplex and instead were sent direct to DVD, Blu-ray or streaming media. We're sure a lot of you have perused the DVD shelves at the supermarkets and seen countless DVD covers with lurid, big action set pieces you're certain they can't afford and feature casts of actors you haven't heard of in a while or even haven't heard of full stop. We're here to give such films a shot on your behalf. We'll shine a spotlight on them and tell you if they're good or terrible or just batshit insane and why you should be watching them regardless. This week we're spending time on the streets with 11 blocks, in the ring with Amy Johnson in Female Fight Club, and just kind of hanging out with Bruce Willis in Once Upon a Time in Venice, also known as LA Vengeance. Plus we'll have the Coming Soon section in which we look at some trailers, our Washing Up section where we cast a brief eye over other recent releases, and a beginner's guide to the films of Dolph Lundgren. But before we get to all of that, here's Richard with the DTV charts. Now it's time for the UK DTV Top 5, uh, based on the official video chart Top 100, published on uh, April 15th. Uh, this is from the uh, extrapolated from the information on uh, from the official UK charts company. Uh, these are titles that have not had cinema releases, and uh, basically they must have been released this year to be eligible. Okay. So uh, three new entries this week, uh, starting with number five, Terrifier. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned the other week that I'd seen the um, All Hallows Eve um, uh, anthology film, which uses this clown. Yes, this is a sort, sort of a sequel, spin-off yeah. kind of thing. Uh, I wasn't terribly impressed with that, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I can imagine it is gory and stuff like that, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, on, on the plus side, it's a silent clown. So, you know, there's, there's that going for it. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see it in the top five. Yeah, certainly eye-catching cover art as well, which would, uh, mm. can also help explain why it's, uh, why it's charged. Yeah, it doesn't look, yeah. doesn't look overly generic. It's got a sort I mean, of 80s VHS vibe to me, yeah. that one. <laughs> Yeah. But I think in terms of, you know, the the artwork design, I think it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty good. It looks pretty high end, uh mm -hmm. considering. Uh do you, I think it's is it a British or American production? It's I think it's American and or Canadian. Oh, yeah. oh right, okay then. Right. So moving on to number four, uh, still sticking around in the chart, it's Lego DC's superheroes, The Flash. 
not surprising, really. Um, I've only just noticed um, that they've actually got Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman on the cover as well. So um, I'm sure. <laughs> well, they sure like that... to cram them all in. Don't yeah, they? so I'm sure that helps. Um, yeah, as I said before, I uh, haven't actually checked this out yet. Um, I'm kind of surprised to sort of see it around, but at the same time, kind of glad to see it sticking around as well. Yeah, well, Lego, you know, movies being so popular at the moment, I think they're going to be churning out, you know, more of these mm. as, the, as the year goes on. It's a bit like with the whole Scooby Doo and, uh, well, at one time Pokemon, you know, just mm. tons of these things coming out uh, in the course of a year. So, uh, dare say we will be seeing a lot more of Lego uh, in the in the coming weeks. Sure. The um, moving on to number <clears throat> number three. Uh, another new entry, uh, and the first of a couple of dog movies. It's uh, Unchained, uh, also known as Bullethead. Yeah, we we reviewed this under the title Bullethead because uh, it was that's what it's available on Netflix as. Um, I I like this film. It's uh, Adrian Brody, John Malkovich, and one of the Culkin brothers, not not Macaulay, obviously. Um, as three, is it Rory? Is it Rory? Rory? I think it's Rory. Um, as three um, robbers who've come together for a job, it goes wrong. They end up in a disused warehouse. Um, is it disused? No, because uh, Antonio Banderas, as a sort of crime boss, is using it um, for his um, dogfighting um, sort of empire. Uh, and he's got his champion dog there called Elvis, um, who he's just had. He's just tried to kill it, basically. He's just sold his, his henchman to kill it because it suffered too many injuries in this last fight. Um, but he did a botched job of it, and uh, so it's sort of roaming around this um, warehouse. It's, um, it's it's an interesting film because it's it's basically got three sort of sub-stories sort of um, in, intertwined within it as well. Now, you're saying the dog's called Elvis. I just presume the dog was called Bullethead. <laughs> What's the Bullethead all about? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think because you know because it's a fighting dog, they sort of clip its ears and things like that. You know, so it's um, uh-huh. yeah, sort of sort of more sort of streamlined, I guess. And is it is it because I, I I just presumed it was like some sort of genetically engineered dog or something. No, it's, or it's, is it just like bred? Is it just it's bred? It's, it, it's got more sort of pathos because um, you know there's a scene in it where Antonio Banderas' character actually sort of finds it sort of living in a you know as a puppy sort of abandoned by the side of the road and he sort of takes it in and sort of hands it over to his guys to train as a, as a fighting dog and you sort of, sort of get these flashbacks throughout the film of its its fighting career as it were but um, yeah Antonio Banderas in this film is absolutely fantastic he, he's he's not in it a lot but when he is he he plays this crime boss with just like the most sort of steel-like gaze you know he, he's just like unflinching kind of guy you know, real, real sort of hard bust, basically. Well, as we know, he's one of the best actors, uh, I think, of his generation. Mm. And the you know breakout star from from uh, uh, is he from Mexico or is it, Sp- Spain? Is, is yeah. it Spain? It yeah. was Spain. Yeah, yeah Spanish. He's, he's yeah. played Mexican, but he's from Spain. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, fantastically diverse career, and you know, a great uh, you know. If uh, the mainstream doesn't want him, well, we're, we're very lucky to have him, I think, <laughs> yeah. in the world of DTV. He's, I think he's very see. prolific as well, isn't he? Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. terrifically. Yeah. But he's yeah. putting the effort in as well. He's not sort of yeah. he's not posting like a few... Well, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I think I saw 
that Gunshy is coming onto Netflix this month. Oh right, okay. Yeah. So That'll be interesting. I'll, I'll check that out. That's another weird, that's a weird it's, looking it's, one. Though. It's a weird one. He's basically playing a cross between um, Axel Rose and um, Ozzy Osbourne in that one. It's very strange. <laughs> I couldn't get into that one. I, uh, yeah, it, it's weird. It really is. Uh, moving on from Elvis, uh, the next dog in the chart, and number two is Rex. Yay! Now this has been around for three solid weeks now. Um, yep. You know, it's sort of it's it's obviously doing good business. Um, you know, is is it because of the sort of human interest story? Is it because of the dog? Is it because it's another military film? Possibly all three. Um, but, mm. but there it is, sort of. Um, it, it's yeah, it's probably going to be around for another couple of weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're right. It's a, you know, it's attractive artwork, interesting, you know, set up. People love a dog, people love a war movie when they're in the supermarket. Uh, and, uh, you know, the cast is not particularly well known, but there's, you know, Tom Felton from um, Harry Potter's in yeah. there. Kate Mara is the lead. You know, people might not necessarily know her name, but they've probably seen her around in a few things. And Will Patton was always, always mm. good and interesting. So, oh, and Edie Falco, of course, she's a very yeah. good actress. Yeah, so it's a good, it's a solid cast. Um, mm. Definitely a film I want to see at some point. Uh, it was originally called Megan Levy, but I completely, I can completely understand why they changed the the title, and I think it's probably uh, you know a, a, a better example of uh, of a retitling. Sure. Know, and some of the other ones we've come across are just horrendous, but the um, but yeah, I think this is fair enough, uh, yeah. as it were. Um, uh, no, uh, that just leaves us to. Talk about the number one film, and I'll, I'll be damned. I was completely surprised by this, but it's uh, it's Hickok, yeah. number one. Indeed, Wild Bill Hickok, as has been called in the UK. Now, uh, yeah, I wonder how many people bought this, thinking, "Oh, it's got the guy from Thor in it." Mm. <laughs> Only to find out, no, actually, it is it is a slightly less attractive brother, Luke. Um, He's the, the, the third brother. Yeah, was it Liam? That's the right. Because I was yeah. thinking, of, yeah, I was thinking of Liam. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah. So um, yes, the uh, sort of le- slightly less attractive one. Although it does have, um, you know, it's got the likes of Bruce Stern and Chris Christopherson in it. Um, you know, t- two great actors, basically, always uh, worth watching. Um, but I think is this the one I keep saying that it looks like it was shot on video. Yeah, well, I think it was. Yeah. My idea was, it was surprising to to hear that because the um, the director is the guy who did American Violence, which you know, say what you want about that yeah, film, yeah. which we did. It did look uh, good. It was at a least. film that looked really good. Yeah. I I don't know if it Very was polished. this one or not. You know, because there's been a few westerns out recently, um, but there's one you know where we watched the trailer and I thought, oh my god, this looks cheap, and you can, you know you can go too cheap with westerns, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, definitely. Mm. But um, yeah, there was the Kevin Sorbo one, uh, oh, which yeah. came out last week as well, and yes. also a few weeks ago there was Justice. That's right. Uh, so the Kevin, Kevin Sorbo one was the, it was um, Jesse James Lawman, which is um, I suppose it's basically <laughs> the premise of Alias Smith and Jones, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's just like, but. Um, but yeah, so well, Bill Hickok. I mean, it could be because it, you know the Hemsworth name sort of uh, got it in there. It could be just the fact that it's another Western uh, got it got it in the chart. But anyway, that's where we are this week. 
And just want to, as a, as a closing note, I just want to mention last week's number one was Acts uh, of Violence mm. with Bruce Willis. That dropped like a stone uh, this week. Uh, that was just outside the top five at number six. Mm. But yeah, like big drop. You know, people just not buying that in the, in as, as much uh, this week. I was very surprised because as we've seen with, you know, some films like Rex and that, uh, films that get to number one, ten, you know, when, when they've around, got yeah. like big names, when they've got like big names or they're from big studios, they tend to hang around a bit. And uh, you know, for you know, even even stuff like Beyond the Skyline was in the charts for absolutely ages. But, that's right, uh, and that was just Frank Grillo. But, yeah, but the um, you know the high concept sort of car, cover art selling that. But yeah, the Acts of Vengeance. I, I just thought that was going to be the Acts of Violence. Sorry, I just thought that was going to be. Somewhere on the chart this week. I'm surprised. Just yeah. Out of there. Well, <laughs> it will be gone next week yeah. completely. Out well, of the that, top 100. That, that and uh, 24 Hours to Live. Yeah, 24 Hours to Live. I was also surprised. That's not. That's not. In, that's not even in the top 100 anymore. No. So that, was, that doesn't rank anywhere. So yeah, people. Um, everyone's grabbed their copy of that. So, yeah. You know, which is fair <laughs> enough. It's been that was. It was in the chart for two. Uh, I think two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. So so yeah, not so bad. But, mm. Yeah. So. Hickok, uh, more interest in westerns than I've given uh, given credit for. So indeed, yeah. There we go. That's the DTV chart for this week. It's time for the coming soon section, and this week we've got nine whopping trailers to look at, and we're going to dive straight in with Dark Crimes, a Polish thriller starring none other than Jim Carrey. Rich, over to you. Well, this caught me completely by surprise. I, I love a, I love a Polish movie. I'm interested in Polish movies, and I had no idea about this one, which was apparently made in 2015. It was originally it was originally called True Crimes, uh, based on a novel. Mm. It was supposed to come out in 2016, and uh, sat on a shelf. Uh, and now a distributor, I guess in America, has got hold of it. I, I haven't heard anything about a UK release, but the yeah, it's supposed to be out sometime this year because a trailer dropped this week, and, and it looks pretty. Pretty incredible, uh, pretty amazing. Um, not least because of you know the fact that it's Jim Carrey playing mm. uh, playing a serious role, but which he hasn't done. Um, you know, he hasn't done really a role like this since about 2007 when he did the, the number 23. Yeah, which I didn't think was too bad. But he, the thing with Jim Carrey is he is a good, solid, dramatic actor, a bit like Rob, like Robin Williams before him. He's mm. he's just one of those guys who can move from that you know slapstick, physical, rubber face comedy to you know intense drama yeah and he's mixed yeah. between the two with stuff like man on the moon and uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and, and that. but this is he's playing a polish detective with a massive beard in a really sort of gritty looking you know, you know uh cut, washed out you know looking thriller about yeah. some pretty dark subject matter i believe so um pretty fascinating to see what this turns out like yeah tom what do you reckon yeah, this one caught me by surprise as well. I'd never heard of it. Um, I'm just wondering whether the delay was anything to do with, like, because he's had a bit of controversy in the last couple of years, really, hasn't he? So mm. it sort of died off a bit, and then seems like a good time to release it. Really, he went a bit funny, didn't he, with with um, yeah. Kickass Two? He suddenly refused yeah. to do any any um, any sort of publicity for his role in that because uh, I, I think it was in response to the Sandy Hook um, situation or something. He said he suddenly said, "Oh, you know, it's a bit irresponsible to sort of making all these sort of violent movies when you know this is going on or something." Um, yeah, but so, so yeah, I think it was sort of you know maybe sort of 
pressured people to put it on the on on the back burner for a while. I don't know. Um, let's move on to our next one, which is also a Polish thriller. This is called The Last Witness. Um, this seems to centre around a particular um, sort of rather dark chapter in Polish history, I believe. Rich, can you elaborate a little bit? Yes, the theme of the, uh, the theme relates to uh, a massacre at, at a place called Katyn, where a lot of officers and, and stuff were, were executed, and it was completely hushed up. It, it, it didn't even really become public knowledge until uh, the 90s, I believe, uh, when it all sort of came out. The the film here is one I was aware of. Uh, it's a it's a British movie uh, with Alex Pettifer in the lead, uh, and also features uh, Michael Gambon and Tallulah Riley. Mm. It's uh, it's not as it's not as big budget as Dark Crimes. It's just coincidentally they, the trailer for this drop this week as well, uh, or, or last week it might be might be a week or two, but you know very close together. And this is apparently going to be getting a VOD release at the end of May. Uh, from uh, Momentum, I think it mm-hmm. is. It, it doesn't look amazing, but it, it, I think it will still be quite interesting. It's, a, it's definitely on the lower budget side, um, but you know that cast is good. The theme is interesting. I'll be interested to see how they handle it. It's a, so it's a British movie from a, a, a British Polish director. Sure. Um, his name is Polish, but he was he was he was uh, he was born in the UK. Uh, he was born uh, yeah. So. Very. If I got to see these two as a double bill, that would be quite interesting. They both, funnily enough, they both got the actor Robert Wienckiewicz in it, who's one of the most high-profile actors in in Poland. He's right. in ridiculous amounts of stuff, and usually the the award-nominated stuff, like uh, in in Darkness, which was up for the uh, foreign language Oscar, and I think one. Uh, I, I might be wrong on that, but uh, a few years ago. Yeah, so he's he's always very good, or, but he. he the Polish performers in the, both these productions are in very much supporting minor roles, uh, with the emphasis on um, the uh, you know American or English right. uh, leading stars. It, it looks kind of interesting, you know. I mean, I do like those sort of um, sort of costume dramas, you know, um, especially in the sort of a procedural element to to um, the storyline as well so yeah, I, I think know. Dark Crimes is quite contemporary uh, Last oh. Witness is set in around 1947 sure and it's, uh, one's got a detective and the other one's got a, a journalist but they're both basically detective movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on to something not so highbrow that is The Toy Box uh, this has uh, Denise Richards and Misha Barton and essentially, this is about um, a family taking a trip across the desert in a sort of second-hand RV. But basically, the RV seems to be haunted. Um, and it has a sort of few dark secrets, which it, just, it, it doesn't mind sharing with the rest of the family. Uh, so this is a kind of an interesting one. It is, it's um, a sort of slant on, the, on this sort of story I hadn't sort of seen before. So what do you reckon? Yeah, when I watched the trailer, I didn't get the haunted... RV thing at all. I, I just was a bit confused about what was going on, and uh, yeah, really I understand the, the relevance of the title. So, but mm. it's quite it's quite funny. Misha Barton is just all over the place. She's one of the. She at one point she was, you know, the next big thing. Yeah, uh, and then she kind of went disappeared off the radar. And lots of her films have been DTV and sort of lower profile, but she's still got quite a solid, um, you know, lead career as a lead, uh, and sure. this, and also. Richards is, is around in this one as well so yeah interesting cast the poster's, poster's very good as well yeah 
What was that airplane one that uh, Denise Richards was in that we both kind of liked? Was it Hijacked? Well, that was, re- that was released as Hijacked, yeah. yeah. That's how it was released in the UK. Yeah, actually, I thought that was okay. <laughs> Let's move on. We've got a lot of these to cover. The Assassin's Code. Okay, um, so this has um, Peter Stormer in it and a couple of other guys. It looks... The trouble is with this one is the trailer is shit. It, it, it's almost it's incomprehensible. If, it's incomprehensible. <laughs> it kind of looks like they, they they put together edit. Sorry, excuse me. I'm, I'm becoming incomprehensible. They've edited scenes to include this sort of aftermath without actually showing any of the action. It's 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 really really bizarre the way they've done it. Um, but I can kind of see an interesting procedural in there, you know, um, once you get rid of all the sort of chaff and everything, there might be something actually watchable. It's just that whoever put this trailer together should be shot. Well, the inter- the thing is, that it's nice to see a trailer that doesn't give everything away, <laughs> which is, you know, that's good. But this doesn't create any sort of intrigue either. So you've got the, it just... It just lacks any sort of clarity about what on earth is going on. I quite liked, um, I mean, even relationing, you know, when the title comes up, you're like, I don't get how the title connects to anything I've just seen. No. Um, yeah. Pete Stormare's always, you know, good value even when he's on, you know, I always like him even when he's on autopilot. But, 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 yeah. It's disappointing because he is a good actor. But the, the main sort of thing that threw me off is the guy's the lead in this, uh, just, is it Justin Chatwin, mm. who I yeah, just it, yeah. seems a funny fit for it he just he's one of the he, he looks like he's not the right casting um it just it seems came like a sort of a light bit, comedy kind of yeah a bit bland to me from yeah. watching the trailer yeah i have to agree um but at the same time it's it, it, it you know it does look reasonably well shot so i'm kind of inclined to give this a chance um when it, when it eventually sort of comes out anyway but um yeah <laughs> But whoever, you know, the, the trailer doesn't sell it at all, that's for sure. Okay, moving on to the trigonal. Um, now, you'd imagine, with me being such a martial arts freak, um, I'd be all over this. But actually, um, these guys, have, I don't know, they've upset me already. Because <laughs> um, they, they, a few months ago, they released something on their sort of page saying, yeah, we've got a new trailer coming out. Here it is. Here's the trailer. Yeah. And basically, it was just the logo and a couple of sound effects. And that was it. And I thought, seriously, guys, <laughs> this this is what you're putting out? I mean, you know, they've now managed to get all of 56 seconds of a trailer together. Well done. Um, but I'm, I'm still seriously on the fence with this one. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't look as good as it could be at the moment. Well, I need to see more. Uh, in terms of a release, uh, in terms of marketing strategy, as you say that, I mean, the, the interesting thing is to compare this with another com- uh, film, which is, uh, this is from the Philippines, uh, mm. and another film we looked at a few weeks ago, Buy Bust, the, the sort of teaser trailer oh, that was God, released yeah. for that. Oh, God, yeah, Jesus. Which was, yeah. which was just that? a completely <laughs> original, you know, interesting take to do, like a little sort of back behind the scenes video interspersed with some footage and background, you know, background stuff, just sort of wet the appetite and did it. Mm. Uh, and this one is, yeah, it's it's not all that. Uh, and but you know, I'm willing to give it a shot. We all love a good uh, tournament movie, so 
I like the fact this that the, it's got, the yeah, I like the fact it's got quite a diverse looking cast as well, which could be interesting. I think rather Definitely. than sort of relying on your sort of standard, you know, like a Van Damme or someone like that. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always willing to give it a shot, but I'm just saying, you know, their approach to marketing hasn't impressed me at all. Um, just staying on the sort of Philippines um, sort of track for a second on on Netflix, there's just a, a series that just started called Amo, A M O. Because uh, oh, yeah. my wife's from the yeah. Philippines, so as soon as that came up, she's like, "Oh, what's that?" You know. So we started watching <laughs> it, and it yeah. is actually a really interesting sort of docudrama series about this kid at school who's you know he's he's basically a middleman for the sort of doing you know running drugs for a couple of guys and of course the philippines are seriously cracking down on any sort of sort of drug use but um it's it's a very very interesting sort of series at the moment it's it's sort of very minimal it's just literally following this guy around and all the shit that happens to him but uh, if if anyone's got netflix it's, it's i think it's worth looking out for that sounds like that sounds worth checking out. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, let's moving on to Future World. This is probably my second favorite trailer of the week um, because you know, like Turbo Kid, this is like Turbo Kid with a budget. Uh, you know, <laughs> as good as Turbo Kid was, and it was very, very good. Um, this is kind of that, but done with a decent budget. Uh, we've got uh, James Franco and Mila Jovovich. Um, chewing the scenery between them in a sort of Mad Max dystopian future kind of thing. Where I, wrote, a, I wrote chewing scenery in my notes as well. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so we've got a female robot who's been activated and become sort of self-aware. Um, and so these two factions want to sort of track her down and keep them for her, keep her for themselves. Um, I, I think this looks great, a lot better than it should do, if you see what I mean. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm just so glad someone's thrown money at this thing and, and made it. I think it, was Frank how how involved was Frank? He was a did he produce it as well? Yeah, yeah. a co-director right. as well. He's a funny guy, you know. He, he, he's so I think he's got wall. odd tastes as well. Has, yeah, I could see him sort of sitting around watching sort of in the in the eighties those old post-apocalyptic films mm. that sort of seem to churn out every year or so. Yeah. It's sort of um, got that vibe to it. He's doing, you know, he's he, he's playing. He played Tommy Wiseau in The Disaster Artist. Mm. And that's like like him doing high end acting. And then on the flip side of this is like him going yeah. going like properly DTV. You know, this is <laughs> a proper DTV release. And he's just like having fun with it and getting you know getting mates involved and stuff. And you know, it is the film looks yeah. really good. And, you know, cinematography looks excellent. Uh, it's definitely going to be, you know, it's definitely high end. Mila Jovovich looks like she's having fun. There's a credit for Lucy Liu, quite, pro, you know, high profile, but she barely appears in the trailer. So mm. I don't think she's she's going to be in it very much. But this uh, Suki Waterhouse looks quite um, to be quite an interesting character. She's apparently a model, so uh, the, I don't know how she's going to handle the action yeah. scenes. But you know, Mila Jovovich was a model as well, and she did all right for herself. She's so. done all right, yeah, and she's looking good in this as well, actually. So yeah. I was yeah. getting an Albert Pune vibe from the film as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always yeah. a good thing. Yeah, in his younger days, for sure. <laughs> okay, now again, you'd think I'd be all over a Scott Atkins film, um, but our next film, Incoming, um, starring Scott Atkins, it's it's very similar to that one that um, 
um, Guy Pearce did a couple of years ago that was produced Lockout. by Luke Besson. Which, what was it called? Lockdown. Yeah. Lockout. Lockout, yeah. Lockout? Could be. Yeah, yeah. so so this so, is a, a a prison in space kind of dealie. Um, obviously, you know, prisoners escape, and you're not quite sure from the trailer whether or not you should be sort of rooting for the prisoners. Are, are, they, are they sort of criminals or are they sort of freedom fighters? Or the sort of slightly um, fascistic um, guard played by Scott Atkins who can kick people really well. Um, the trouble with this film is it looks so cheap. It really does. This is, um, you know, it, it's not asylum cheap, but it's certainly <laughs> probably the cheapest film that Scott yeah. Atkins has been involved in for a while. Historically, yeah, I mean, martial art actors in space. They, when they <laughs> when they go in space, they, it seems to be sort of cheaper than their standard film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's been a few. Yeah, Gary space. Daniels has done a few of them, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, well, he did one with Dolph called. Dolph Lundgren called Retrograde, which was yep. really cheap. One of the cheapest that uh, Dolph's ever done, I think. Right. I think that was that was coming out. That was a franchise pictures one. That was like right at the end when they were just going yeah. bankrupt from uh, like embezzling for money and stuff. So uh, <laughs> from yeah, what I, I got that one on DVD they upstairs. Up, yeah. It's um they turned up on set and uh, the budget had been halved, so there was supposed to be all these things like um, snow bike chases. So you've got mm. the snow bike scene, you're thinking, oh, there's going to be a chase later, but there's nothing ever happened. <laughs> and they just sort of walk around in these motorbike jackets, which are supposed to be spacesuits. So right. like, it wasn't the finest hour for Dolph or Gary Daniels, really. Mm. No. It, it's a shame, in a way, that this is coming out sort of on the heels of um, uh, Accident Man, which gets released uh, on the 16th of April. Um, yeah. Which we'll be covering in our next episode. Um, this, this was down for a VOD release um, mm. quite soon, I think. But now oh, that seems to have sort of be, gone a bit, and I think they're a bit uncertain of actually when it's going to come out. The thing right. is with this film, which I, I actually don't think looks too bad. I think it looks a bit of fun, but yes, I think it does strike as a very different kind of movie for Scott to be in, and looks mm. a bit strange. I actually don't think he's the lead. I think they've sort of tried to make it look like he's the lead, but if you read the explanation, the the, the scenario uh, synopsis, mm-hmm. it says it's basically down to two, to these two people. It's, it's down to a couple of people, but then there's this guy who's also around, and it's got and he's played by Scott Atkins. So I was like, and in the trailer, it even seems like he's just sort of popping up yeah. here and there. So I don't think it's it's going to be like a typical. I mean, you know, we we talked about lockout, but this yeah. is more sort of down in the world of uh, For- Fortress 2 um, but you know he's not even he's not gonna I don't think he's even gonna be like a, a Christopher Lambert kind of mm. lead in this I think it's probably gonna be much more uh, a, it's few, interesting. a few sort yeah. of cameo sequences it's almost. interesting because I'm, I'm reading um, Seagalogy at the moment as you know um, mm. I just come across this bit where um, uh, Vern, sort of the author, is talking to somebody else, and he's, he sort of categorizes Seagal, Steven Seagal movies into two groups. There's Steven Seagal movies, and there's films with Steven Seagal. Yeah. And I kind of, <laughs> and I kind of think this is one of those. You know, it's a film with Scott Atkins. It's, it's not. Yeah. You know, um, like Brothers Grimsby or um, you know American Assassin or something like that. Let's, let's put it in that group. Um, unlike, for example, Rekill, which is probably the you know, it's it's the lost 
sort of Scott Atkins film. I, I, thought, I thought it was actually really, really great. Um, he, you know, he's not in a hell of a lot, but it's, it's a really good zombie movie. And it needs to be discovered. I think it's hidden away somewhere on Prime or somewhere like that. Uh, no, unfortunately, I've tried tracking it down myself, and mm. no, it's not. Um, I don't think it's ever been released in the UK properly. No, no but it, it, it's like, I'd be curious to check this out. You know, this is not good. This is going to benefit from mm. this being basically a big year for Scott. Yeah. Uh, uh, but if this is going to, if if it does turn out to be not so good, that's going to be quite detrimental to people's sort of impressions of him. True. Uh, which is, I mean, which is a shame because this is a guy who's been around for like twenty plus years and is still sort of paying his dues to a mm. certain extent. Uh, he's got Triple Threat coming out, uh, which is going to be the, one of the big... I mean, I know he, he's not one of the main characters in that, but he's got that coming up and you know, the, various other things. Yeah, the Deck Collector one, as well. So. The Deck Collector, yeah. another Jesse Johnson film. So yep. it's going to be a big year for him. And, Absolutely. Uh, this one will probably be a sort of a bit more fly-by-night. Yeah, yeah it's a bit on the, on, on the radar, basically. Okay, let's let's crack on with what is. I think you'll agree, guys. This is the trailer of the week. This is upgrade. Yeah. Now, I was a little bit smarting when I, when I sort of saw this because I've long had this idea, which I've been trying to write about a guy who gets injected with some sort of alien DNA, which sort of you know makes him super powerful and stuff like that. And the trouble is, when you got a good high concept idea like that, you need to do something with it because eventually somebody else is going to have the same fucking idea and, and do something with it. <laughs> and all you're going to do is sit there going, oh. But anyway, fuck me. Um, this looks absolutely fantastic. It's um, and and it's so gleefully violent as well. You know, there there are some headshots in this which are just you know need to be seen to be to believe. Yeah. Basically, um, yeah, this sees a guy who agrees to have a sort of special sort of nano chip put into his spine after he was attacked, his girlfriend was killed, and he wants to get revenge. And this sort of it's it's kind of like the ultimate sort of violent version of Knight Rider, you know, because <laughs> you know he, he can talk to the chip, the chip can talk to him and take over his body when he needs to. Um, and, and boy, does it, it looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we've seen uh, when you when you strip it down, basically the concept of this, there's nothing you know particularly in, you know new about it. This is basically if you look at it from one angle, this is this year's Crank. Mm. If you look at it from another angle, it's just another version of RoboCop or you know or particularly Iron Man because Iron Man has the suit and he talks to his suit and, and stuff as well. And also, as uh, somebody else um, mentioned when I watched, because basically this is kind of a, this is one of those trailers. That makes you want to watch trailer reaction videos, mm. uh, which I did watch a couple. Oh of yeah, and another yeah. guy observed. He says, "This is like the proper version of the tuxedo." Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. The, Jack, yeah. the Jackie Chan movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, it looks absolutely incredible. They're not holding back on the the violence at all. This is like you know, Red Band trailer is like properly mm, Red yeah. Band. Uh, this is not not for the faint of heart. Um, I think it's going to be one of the best you know, action movies of the year. So far, definitely. Um, it looks like something you'd, you'd happily watch on the big screen as well. I think. Do, do we know what plans? You know, whoever's putting this out, what plans they have? Is this is this going to DVD or is it going to the? Cinema? No, I think this will be a cinema release because this is a Blumhouse uh, oh, tilt course, yeah. release. Yeah. So it's from. Uh, this is directed by Lee Wanell, yeah. who was the the, oh, the yeah. writer of Saw, uh, and he 
I think can't remember what the other film they were saying that he directed last time, but oh, Insidious, I think he directed Insidious, mm-hmm. but because he's basically uh, him and James Wan, they're like peas in a pod kind of thing. They've been making films mm-hmm. together for years, and this is him sort of making his sort of big stamp movie and uh, got some really interesting visual visual yeah. uh, things going on in there. You know, I guess you could you know you could say it's the next John Wick. Or yeah, I mean, I was or, thinking that. Yeah. I think it's the next Crank. Right, no, I don't say that. Uh, I, hate, just... I hated Crank. Crank was fucking awful. And anything directed by those two bloody chances, I absolutely hate. Yeah, but, yeah, but never, the funny thing is, you, you, you say how much you're looking forward to their, uh, one of them's next film. I can't remember what it was. Um, really? The, uh, yeah, I can't remember. It's, it, um, it's Mom and Dad. Oh, he said, "Oh yeah, Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage. I can't wait to see it." And I'm like, you, "Yeah, I thought you hated that." Director. Well, no, because I, <laughs> because I didn't realize who the bloody director was. That's who it was. And now you don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> I, I, but, yeah. Let me see. Hang on. Oh yeah, I know. Well, it is it is Brian Taylor on his own without Neville Dean. So so I, I will give him the chance to see how Harry fares <laughs> on his own. Yeah, you can blame Neville Dean on for Crank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And gamer and all the rest oh, of them. Gamer, yeah, gamer. My worst actually film ever. Pathology was quite good. Which one? Pathology. Pathology. Oh yeah, with, yeah. That, um, um, my Mila Yeah, Ventimiglia. that was a weird one. Yeah, that was weird. It was weird. Mm. Uh, sort of made an impression. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, but off track. Upgrade. Sure. I, can't, I can't wait for this. <laughs> yeah. Have we got any ideas when it's gonna get? Uh, are we looking at June? June for release in the in the states at least. I'm just going to yeah. have a quick look to see if I can see anything on the schedule. Tom, you excited about this one then? Oh, de- this looks really good. I think I would for this, yeah. And it, it looks crazy, but in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Definitely a date good movie, cast I think. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem to be a UK release on the cards at the moment, mm-hmm. I can see. So we'll have to sort of wait and see on that one. Who knows? You know, it might be. It might end up going. DTV, but I very much doubt it. I think it looks too, it looks too good. I think you know it's got it's got too many people excited. Yeah. You know, and as we've seen, when when the internet goes crazy for something, you know that's uh, that's when the distributors go, mm. okay, we've got something special here. Uh, let's maybe you know put a bit more into it. So I think the marketing is probably going to amp up on this one. Mm. Yeah, I was when I was at the uh, Fighting Spirit thing the other week. I was chatting with uh, Leif Johnson. And I was sort of explaining my story. And he just goes, oh, you mean like Upgrade? And I was like, yeah, fuck. <laughs> okay, so I think that's enough trailers for this week. Let's sort of move on to the main feature. It's time for the Beginner's Guide. And following on from Richard's excellent take on Indian horror movies last week, it's over to Tom, who's going to brief us all on Dolph Lundgren. Thank you very much. So, for myself, I've I've been a big Dolph fan since I was a kid. Um, like most most fans who get into Dolph, the main thing that got them into him was probably Masters of the Universe. Um, so that I'm of that generation who grew up watching He-Man cartoons, and then um, I was a massive fan of the film. And so. Yeah. Some of us in are old enough to have of... seen Rocky IV at the cinema, but never mind, carry on. <laughs> that would have been quite good to see at the cinema. I'm a bit jealous there. <laughs> I think my first was Masters of the Universe. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, for, mo- for most sort of general action fans, they're going to know of most of Dolph's films up until about Universal Soldier. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sort of concentrate on his career after that. Sure. So first up is Army of One. And this came around about the time that, you know, Hard Boiled had just sort of broken in Hong Kong a little bit in America. And so you had Van Damme, he brought over John Woo to do Hard Boiled. Yeah. And uh, Army of One is sort of like the other Hard Boiled follow on in the States, uh, directed by Vic Armstrong, famous mm. stunt guy. Um, this is quite a. Yeah, it's quite a good. It's a solid action film. It's just completely loaded with action, insanely violent. You know, it's properly old school. The squibs flying everywhere, and you've got uh, car chases throughout. I think this is one that's worth watching. It's a little bit sloppy in mm-hmm. uh, some of the editing, but I mean, if either of you guys seen? Um, oh, absolutely! One? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I saw this under the title Joshua Tree. Um, yeah, and and kind of the big selling point at the time was was the fact that Vic Armstrong was directing it because he, he at the time he was well known as a second unit director on just about every big action movie you can think of. So so the guy knows yeah. action. Um, he's he's done a few um, Bollywood movies as well um, as sort of second unit guys. So so I remember yeah. I sort of sitting down to watch. I can't remember which one it was, but suddenly his name pops up, and I thought, "Well, at least I'm not going to get some decent action in this film, if nothing else." Um, unless it's unless it's left behind. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> which even was the, that, the next yeah. film he directed. Yeah, but even even left behind actually had a couple of excellent um, action sequences in it. You know, just really really quick things. You know, even if it's like someone getting hit by a truck and then being pushed through a, a mall window. You know, it's it still looked great. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned car chases. Well, you didn't mention, you know, these are very, very high-end um, sort, of sort of performance cars yeah. in this film. Because the, uh, if I remember rightly, um, he's involved in a sort of car, sort of car theft ring or something. Um, yeah, and he, he, has and a he, sort get, of big he gets framed for murder. So it's sort of like a cross between um, the fugitive mm. and something like First Blood, I guess. He delves on the run through most of the film trying to get revenge on um, the guy who set him up. Sure. So, you know, there's, there's a big shoot warehouse shootout in the middle, which is just a complete ode to hard-boiled. Absolutely, yeah. So there's, uh, you know, there's carnage everywhere in that scene. Um, Apparently it was supposed to be a lot longer as well. There's like a lot of extra footage yeah. there really cut that scene there down. Is, um, the American DVD version has an alternate ending, but also... The warehouse scene is extended. Uh-huh. I think the uh, cool. the English version, which is only there's no DVD version at the moment. It's just the old VHS. Mm-hmm. So the, there's a quite a lot of violence cut out of it, and it's got an um, it's got the original ending, which sort of they didn't think there was enough action at the end there because it just followed on from the car chase, which is like two or three minutes long, um, and then it's sort of just dies off so they went back and filmed an alternate ending and that's in the american version right hmm. but it was sort of like it was half-heartedly put together and thrown <laughs> in at the last minute so and dolph's you know dolph looks quite different he's been dragged in and he's got his hair's long visit notably longer <laughs> so he looks like his own stunt double 
It's just a bit <laughs> odd. Uh, how, yeah, it's like, how long was that car chase? <laughs> it seemed to age. <laughs> I could never yeah, kind of click with stop, the movie. Yeah. I never clicked with the movie, unfortunately, although I wanted to really like it. I think I did actually own it, and I tried. I did watch it a few times. Apart from that big central, uh, that main set piece, uh, the other sort of big selling points for me, you know, the most attractive points were the car, uh, or the cars, I should say, and uh, Christian Alfonso, I think, was the uh, the actress, yeah, the sort of, uh, the love interest, or sort of, who he takes hostage, and, and she's just gorgeous <laughs> with a sort of a big uh, big hairdo and and, and stuff. Uh, it's uh, I'm I'm just I think it's because I don't I don't really like stuffs. You know, action movies set in the desert a lot. I don't know. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if that's that. That's the thing. I'm more of an urban kind of kind of action guy. But the um, it's definitely a film I want to revisit if I could see definitely a longer or alternate cut of the film. I think it's quite good in retrospect now. Obviously, I suppose it's because in the last sort of 15 years these sort of films have been getting progressively cheaper. So it's sort of good looking back at an old video action film, and it's just sort of loaded with action and. Uh, practical effects sure but you know the editing's a little bit messy in it that's one of the the downsides really Um, but anyway next up is Men of War this is one that it sort of goes under the radar a little bit but it's one of Dolph's best films it's one of my favourite films this is yeah Yeah. isn't that the one that David Mannett was involved in it was John Sayles John Sayles sorry Oscar winning screenwriter so his his script got changed slightly. It was it's very sort of heart of darkness, um, Pocahontas, that kind of thing. Kind and of a bit they, like Avatar as well, really, isn't it? It's yeah, the idea that you know you got these mercenaries who've been brought in to sort of try and oust this this tr- um, sort of indigenous tribe because they they want the back guano in the caves or something. It's some some you know there's yeah, some it's, rich some mineral rich sort of stuff that's in the caves. Uh, it's it's great. It's an absolutely superb film. It looks great as well. I mean, the scenery is mm. amazing. It was filmed at the same uh, Thai island as the beach with the, yeah. you know the DiCaprio film. I um, think the lef- they made less damage than the beach as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> they they made a bit, but not quite as much as the beach. Anyway, um, no, this is good, and it's one of Dolph's best performances as well. I think. Um, but what I always liked about this film is it's got that sort of team of mercenaries Mm. and they balance out the roles quite well they make everyone sort of interesting you get a sense of their characters and i think the way they did that was actually better than you know the expendables yeah which you know they didn't really balance the roles out very well in that entire franchise Mm. really because one one of the things you know one of the things i like about this one is as you say that it's sort of the balanced roles is that some some of the you know Dolph basically turns on his paymasters and says no I don't think this is a good idea and yeah. some of his some of his team join him some don't you know so some of them say no we're following orders we're getting paid and some say no man this is the right thing to do but when they actually sort of have to fight each other you know you get these sort of little instances where they're going but we were on the, we were on the same side why why are we fighting each other now you know there's this sort of real so quite yeah. realistic sort of um sort of psychological element to it i think you know where they're sort of really having to sort of deal with this sort of conflict of like but you know five minutes ago we were mates what's what you know but now we're sort of you know opposed f- 
for some ideological reason. Yeah, I mean, for this sort of film, the script is very good. I mean, it's clear that when they brought Dolph on, they probably sort of, they genred it up a bit. Um, mm. But no, I mean, it's for, for, you know, his CV, this is one of his better scripts, I think. And it still, it still shines through. You know, great photography as well. There's some nice music in it, and there's a good cast. Yeah. And it's uh, Trevor Goddard, I think it was, who played the bad guy. He just absolutely has a ball. Mm. He just chews a lot of scenery in this. It's, uh, you know, he's a good villain. And the end fight is just completely brutal, especially when you see the uncut version. All right. Okay. There's, a, there's, there's a good DVD version out in England anyway, so it's worth picking up, I think. And you mentioned um, that, I mean, this was another one that I didn't didn't click with, but that's mainly because I was not really into wartime kind of move, war sort of movies at that time. So I'd definitely like to revisit this. But yeah, the cast is great. Uh, Charlotte Lewis is in there. She was sort of tip. For, she seemed mm. tip for big things, and then kind of yeah. her career didn't, you know, go the distance. Although she's still mucking around, as you say, Trevor Goddard's in there. Love him. He, he's got an, he had an interesting story because I think he was actually British, but he used to pretend to be Australian, and uh, and <laughs> yeah. he actually died at, uh, you know quite a, quite a few years ago now. But he turned up in some you know some great roles. Uh, in, I think he was even in like Mortal Kombat and, and stuff. But he did uh, Shadow, uh, I think it was Shadow Warriors or Colt Hogan, Assault on Devil's Island, yeah, uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so he's kind of one of those uh, sort of unsung guys who, who I like always like to. To hear mentioned and yeah. uh, Kevin Ooh, Teague's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all, he's such a great bad guy. He yeah. was in the uh, Deep Rising as well, wasn't he? I think with Stephen Summers. But um, BD Wong's in there. You know, second. You know, really good high end movie for for Dolph. Yeah. Uh, next up is this was Dolph's second film as a director, uh, The Mechanic, mm-hmm. um, which is it's sort of a, like a straight up revenge film, really. But I think it's it's got a little bit more to it than your standard sort of revenge, you know, DTV revenge film. Um, what Dolph does sensibly is he partners up with um, a sidekick played by Ben Cross. All right. You know, quite a reasonably well-known British actor people will know from Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. So he takes it easy. He's the talkative one. You know, he partners up with Dolph. He, he gets all the dialogue. Um, Dolph's kind of brooding and out for revenge. But and I think this was, you know, this was well made. And it looks good. It's sort of evokes those old 70s revenge films. So this that's worth checking out, I think, as well. Also mm. known as the Russian specialist uh, <laughs> in the United States. Yeah, one of those uh, oh. classic attempts at having an interesting title that just sort of fails dismally. Yeah, I didn't, um, again, I, I don't know if this is going to be a theme throughout the whole thing, but my favourite Dolph movies are, are, are really completely different to yours, I think, which is quite interesting because <laughs> he's one of those kind of guys. Well, he has guys. But such the, a um, diverse filmography, so yeah. Yeah, he has, and the, um, I did, I remember, I did buy this one because like, I'd, uh, I used to import a lot of DVDs from uh, Thailand, uh, and I got the, the Defender before this, uh, the one he did with, um, Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was a bit, little bit ropey. Uh, this one I don't remember much about, but I think yeah, it was fairly was pretty solid, uh, mm. and you know was good development. You know he's he's 
directed quite a few films now and, and uh, it seems to get better with each one, as you would hope. Yeah. Yeah, I admit, the I other one who yeah. did uh, Command okay. Performance also was worth checking out as well. Yeah, that's why he's a drummer, isn't it, in a band? You must have yeah. seen that, Mike. Yeah, I have seen that one. I haven't seen this yeah. one. Yeah. But I'm going to address that as soon as I can. Yeah, this sounds quite <laughs> interesting. Uh, another one that you might not have seen, a few people might not have seen, is Silent Trigger. This was one that, you know, this is firmly back in the VHS era. And this would have been one of those ones you walk past in your video shop and the title just the title and the cover just stands out. It's really good artwork on this one. Uh the film itself, it's almost weirdly art house. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I mean the original idea for the film, uh so basically what it is, Dolph plays a an assassin on his last mission. So the whole thing takes place in this one building and then he has flashbacks through to sort of like a previous mission throughout the film. I remember him in a big empty sort of building under construction with yeah. a mattress on the floor. Yeah, that's it. And he's sort of, he's with his partner and he's waiting for his next mission, which he sort of thinks is his last mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's these psychological aspects to it that you know, people don't necessarily, because it's a doll film, they don't necessarily concentrate on that sort of thing. They're just thinking, right, when's the, when's the stuff going to blow up or when's he going to punch someone in the face? Especially with that uh, poster. I think, I think this yeah. was a film that was missold completely. It was completely, really. The original idea was basically all going to take place. It was more of a horror and it was going to be all in this one building and nothing was going to happen. It was going to be fully sort of focused on the psychological it was very art house the original script um and i think they had rudger hauer in mind originally Mm. the lead um which would have been interesting as well actually i think so dolph came on board and then the flashbacks were added in and the flashbacks basically are the action scenes to an extent until the finale but I think this one, it looks great because it's directed by Russell Mulcahy, mm-hmm. uh, who did Highlander. Yeah. So visually, it, it's just gorgeous. And there's a really great score as well. Um, so it's worth checking out, I think. And then, you know, just giving it the due to sort of look at it more from a, a I don't know, I guess as a psychological thriller. Um, yeah. It, it, it's worth checking out, I think. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, anything by Russell Mulcahy, uh, Mul- oh, God, anything by Russell Mulcahy um, is definitely worth a look, if nothing else. Um, so Russell with with uh, Dolph, I think that's an interesting combination. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's gonna it's gonna put some people off, or it might sort of be a bit of a surprise. Um, <clears throat> no, it's it's quite a good one. Cool. And the next one is like a two-in-one. This is Universal Soldier 3 and 4, uh, <laughs> also known as Universal Soldier Regeneration or Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, which is awesome. the most recent one, yeah. Um, so you, you've, both you've, skipped, by John you've, you've skipped the, the, the TV movie ones then? <laughs> yeah. Good. No, I couldn't get into them. So did Dolph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. yeah, he was sensible there, I think. So I think, again, 
the third one I'll just touch on briefly. That's sort of it was quite a surprise, really. Um, not only in how good it was and how different it was to the first two, mm. but also in the direction that they took Van Damme's character. And it's sort of they were pushing it a little bit, bringing Dolph back in terms of logic, but the the basic explanation is that it's he's a clone, so mm. they can just sort of limitlessly clone Dolph and anyone else. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, John Hyams, I think he's, he's a really interesting director, one that, particularly for the sort of the action genre, I think he's worth looking out for. But he did really sort of interesting things with the third one and then particularly the fourth film. Mm. Um yeah, Day of Reckoning is just a completely weird film. It's like a mix of Kubrick, Cronenberg, uh, David Lynch, and it's a very much sort of dark horror noir sort of thriller. Um, plays out like a Hitchcock film. But it I think, certainly does. Yes. Yeah. It. I think one of the problems was it. It's almost let down by its title and what it's following, mm. because I, I don't think Van Damme f- fans ever really took to the, not particularly the third one, but definitely they just sort of, they really didn't like the fourth film, because Van Damme's character, who was once this sort of heroic lead in the first film, um, he's sort of turned into this weird ghostly Colonel Kurtz character mm. in the yeah. fourth film. <laughs> Yeah, it is for Van Damme fans what The Last Jedi is for some Star Wars fans. Um, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Let's not forget yeah. as well, that film also stars in, in, in the leading role, Mr. Scott Atkins. Oh, yeah. um, and, yeah, really and he does good. very well. Um, yeah. Now, John Hyams, uh, you know, with that sort of the, the third, as you say, the third installment of um, the series, um He's so technically adept. There are two particular standout sequences. First is the first five minutes where you're yeah. following around this the, um, young Russian couple that you find out later they're sort of the children of this diplomat. Uh, and they're in a museum, and it's just the w- watch the way the camera moves. Uh, it's all done in one take, uh, or at least it's edited to look like it's all one take. It is really, really clever. You know, the, the, the camera sort of revolves around them, around other people. It follows them from room to room into a car, you know, as they sort of drive away and they get attacked. Brilliant. And then later on, Van Damme himself has a brilliant, is one of his best sequences ever, where he's just running through building after building, attacking people. You know, he's supposed to be sort of covertly he's, he's like a ninja basically he's just going from room yeah. to room building to building sort of the cameras sort of following him through the windows and he's sort of jumping through windows from one building to the next and it's, it's just an absolutely superb performance and i watched that and i thought oh my god you know because at the time i thought you know van damme had given up you know um, yeah. I thought he'd done a cigar, but he hadn't, you know, and I thought, wow, he, he must be so invested in this to put in that amount of effort, you know, to, to pull that off. It, it was and just the thing about that movie, the weird thing about it is that it never feels like it's got a proper lead because mm. Van Damme is credited thing, yeah. as and Van Damme. 
Yeah. But he is clearly the most important character, but he's off screen at a huge amount of time. So you're spending time with lots of other characters. It's really strange. It's yeah. a funny film. I mean, it's it is great. Also, the by, is cool. Yeah, the budget really, and the fact that they could only they only had limited time uh, with Dolph and uh, Van Damme. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fight scene between those two in the third film is that doesn't disappoint at all. No, not at all. It's completely brutal, just complete carnage, and it just goes on and on. I think I just want to say about the um, Mike's just talking about those two sequences. Mm. And in Atomic Blonde last year, we basically had uh, one one whole sequence that was essentially those two stuck together, but the other way around. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) yeah, yeah, very well done. So that was that. I mean, that was several years ago. It was like one of the first to do that kind of action on screen. I think. Mm. So that's um, that's your basic uh, beginner's guide. are there any, anything there any you want to also mention? Rans, yeah? any, any that almost made the list? Well, I mean, like I said, I wasn't going to sort of do the, the first bunch, but I've always been a big advocate for Dolph's Punisher. Yeah. And uh, of the, the first Universal Soldier as well, worth looking at. If people haven't seen Dark Angel, that's also... Mm. That's one of his most accessible films, I think. Yeah, it is very. And it's one that just sort of looks better and better in retrospect. Absolutely. Can I throw in a couple? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I particularly enjoyed uh, The Peacekeeper, which was one of his new image movies, uh, where he teams up with Montel Williams, uh, who was a famous (laughs) talk show host at the time. And and I distinctly remember there being like a rooftop car chase uh, or something yeah. in it, which was really cool, uh, and hence in you know it was quite innovative, you know, novel and innovative uh, at the time. Yeah. And another one, which is uh, we've been talking about a bit about some of Dolph's more dramatic movies. Uh, one that I thought was excellent, and uh, pretty much nobody's really seen or heard of, uh, was was called uh, Pentathlon. Oh yeah. Uh, and co-starred David Soul, which I thought was terrific. Uh, it was a you know he's a, a guy who did. He's playing a guy raised up under, I think it's like Nazi rule uh, or something like that, uh, and escapes to the United States. I think it's it's like a Nazi thing. Um, And yeah, I can't remember how the plot unfolds, but David Soul is brilliant in it. uh, And it's a really great little movie. I think he really writes the rule book on chewing scenery in that. (laughs) (laughs) He is really good in it. He's a great villain, but it's a kind yeah. of a weird kind of. It's a very unusual because it's a, it's essentially a sports movie, uh, yeah. rather than any kind of action movie. Uh, directed by Bruce Malmuth, I think who'd just come off or, or almost a, you know very soon coming after a Hard to Kill mm. with Steven Seagal. It's a very different kind of movie. Uh, another one I would just want to ask you about if you've seen and is uh, one that Dave Wayne uh, really rates, which I've never actually been able to see, which is called Jill Rips. Also known as Jill the Ripper. Yeah, that was that actually one? going to be one of my choices. It's sort of, um, it's an odd film because it's what Dolph's always sort of been. He's always tried to branch out every now and again and do like an experiment, like Pentathlon basically was, and um, they haven't always gone well. Jill Rips is a sort of fascinating failure. <laughs> it's based on this sort of From the description <laughs> it sounds like it's his tightrope the old yeah. Clint Eastwood movie um, like a yeah, bit of a like, se- dark sexuality and stuff sort of yeah, very un- it, not what you'd expect 
I think it's it's very cheap, and there were lots of problems with the director that uh, Anthony Hickox had mm. with the producers um, because of the budget. Uh, if you if anyone can get hold of a region free player and the region one DVD for that, there's a fascinating commentary from Anthony Hickox for that film, and it's well worth checking out as just an interesting look into not only that film but the whole sort of director video process of that time which probably hasn't changed a lot really mm. he had just had constant battles trying to get things shot how he wanted and you know constant battles trying to fight against them cutting the budget everywhere basically but it's one of those th- it was originally going to star tom berenger all right. Um, oh, he did another sort of similarly kind of themed movie around the same time, I think. Yeah, mm. it was based on an on um, on a novel as well, a crime novel, um, loosely based in the end, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in with sort of Fifty Shades and things like that coming into you know popularity at the moment, I think it's one of those that you look back on and it. It looks better now than it did when Dolph first released it. So I think it's probably worth checking out. Fifty it's Shades not... with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he does end up hanging upside down and sort of bound in ropes at one point. So weird. It's a bit. In, it's a, definitely uh, an interesting aside for Dolph. I think. <laughs> Mike, any favourites? Yeah, well, just one that we have mentioned that I, I remember reviewing um, many years ago called, um, well, it was originally going to be called Icarus, but it was renamed as oh. The Killing Machine. It's another one directed yeah, that, by Dolph. That was very good. Yeah. I, 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 I really like, like this. And, and the thing, what, what this really showed as well is that is that Dolph is growing old very gracefully. You know, <laughs> he seems to be getting handsomer with age, basically. Um, and, he, you know, he gets to wear a lot of suits in this one. That he's, so he's, he's, he's you know, flashes his smile a lot. Um, yeah, and it, it has got some sort of decent little sort of snippets of action in it as well. He essentially plays a, a sort of Russian-trained... Um, I think it was originally meant to be like a sleeper agent, but he ended up sort of becoming a sort of assassin, leading a sort of double life as a sort of insurance sort of salesman kind of guy or sort of some sort of high-end insur- um, salesman. So he gets to travel a lot as a cover. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that one. Yeah, I'd go along with that. That's a, it's worth checking out as well. Mm. And don't kill it as well. Another recent oh, yeah. one he's yeah, done, which that. is that was yeah. great fun. Yeah, we we did we did cover that on the show. Yeah, so yeah, it was really yeah. good. Cool. That is the beginner's guide. If you haven't checked out Dolph, now you've got no excuse. We've pointed you in the right direction. Go out there and get your DVDs warmed up. Just watch them all. Do, do them all. <laughs> <laughs> Our first review this week is Female Fight Club. In this one, Amy Johnson stars as Becca, a former um, fighter who moved away from her roots in um, in Los Angeles to start a new life, but finds herself dragged back in by her sister Kate, who suddenly needs her help because she's in a lot of debt. Um, egged on to help her by her um, imprisoned father, played funny enough by Dolph Lundgren, um, Becca moves back to um, to uh, Las Vegas to help her sister Kate train a squad of fighters to take part in an underground tournament. Uh, let's kick off with Tom. 
yeah i enjoyed this one um you know it's fairly standard for this sort of film and uh no i think amy johnson's got a lot of promise uh it's one of those as well if you're going to sort of expect too much from having dolphin it then you're going to be a bit disappointed because he's Mm. essentially just um a cameo but i mean as far as his uh his sort of these small roles that he this is one of the better ones i think yeah not like in hijacked where he literally just sat in the cockpit he gets a fight scene and some good you know dramatic scenes so i think he's, he's yeah he's a good he's a good he's a good um addition to the film although sure. like you say the film doesn't really need him but it does add an, an, add an element yeah no i was um pleasantly surprised with this one although i don't know have you guys covered lady blood fight yeah i i really liked yeah. um that one yeah yeah we've, yeah we've the consensus yeah the consensus seems to be that you know they they've got similarities but lady blood fight is the standout one lady, not yeah. lady blood fight has the better more intricate fighting and you know, it has more of the sort of the sort of martial arts philosophy and stuff going on around it. Um, you know, th- th- I think this one has, I don't know, it's, it's just the relationships in this one that sort of really do work. I think. Yeah, I think the thing with Lady Bloodfight was it was it was all about the guy directing it, uh, Chris Nahon, mm. so experienced, uh, great, you know, visual uh, storyteller, uh, and I think. In this case, we've got a much less experienced director, mm. but the film is also, uh, it's pretty well, it is well shot. It is, it's another widescreen film, uh, so looks looks nice. It does look, you know, it is lower budget and is very similar, but mm. I was actually surprised by how good it was compared to Labour Fire. I, I, I yeah. didn't see it as a particularly inferior film. I thought it was going to be sort of really heavy on the drama and things like that, but it's not, you know, I mean, that obviously plays, um, you know, the relationship between her and her sister and how estranged it is, um, is, is very important. And the sort of the, the sort of dark secrets that you sort of find out about. Um, but it, it's, it's got some really nice sort of touches you only sort of get on a DTV movie. You know what I mean? Um, for example, there's the great scene where, she's introduced by a sister to the other members of the squad that she's there to teach. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like Dalton having to sort of talk to the bouncers in, in roadhouse, you know, that, you know, <laughs> they, you know, they, they think, you know, she's coming here to teach them to suck eggs, basically. Yeah. We know how to fight, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the bit where she's actually sort of put them through her paces and, and the character called winter starts playing a bass guitar and just sort of playing this sort of bass note and it just sort of adds, you know, it just really yeah. adds to the, to the atmosphere for the scene. It's just really, really cool. We've also got to establish for those who've not seen Lady Bluffer or anything that the girl who's coming, the, 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 the girl is or lady who's coming in to teach them all this is a young, thin blonde uh, who doesn't look particularly intimidating at all. Mm. Uh, and she's basically, and look, you know, sounds like sarah michelle geller she's not at all I mean, <laughs> she's she's pretty much like sarah michelle geller but then she's sort of bust, you know incredibly uh, talented as a fighter uh, and uh, in both in the film and uh, in real life uh, the film establishes amy johnson really well i think you know compared yeah. next to 
Ladybug fight. That was kind of her breakout. This is, a, I'm not sure which was made first, but this is kind of, so let's say, mm. we, let, let's look at Gina, Gina Caron, for example. So she sure. did Haywire. That was like a big breakout for her. Never really went right for her after that. Mm. Um, her, her, the films she's made afterwards have been with, you know, in, inferior, uh, low, yeah. you know, decent in some ways. This one is kind of the same kind of situation, but I don't think Amy Johnson's going to have the same problem. I think she is a star on the rise, and I think we will see her do more leading roles mm. in even better films, I think. Yeah, her her role in Accident Man, by the way, is definitely going to cement that. Mm -hmm. so, Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, other things, I, I don't know, you know, this is just the... Just certain elements of it, I just really, really like. Just some of the acting as well, like. Um, I yeah, like the villain, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was, the, the villain's really cool. Having a good time. <laughs> yeah, fucking hipster. The villain who builds bird houses. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought yeah, it was um, sort of interesting. Yeah. It's. Uh, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys read um, Outlaw Vern's sort of movie website, but it, you know, one of his things that he's coined is the sort of the idea of badass juxtaposition. You know, yeah. so so yeah. How, how badass is the? Well, you know, not only does he kill people, but he he looks after puppies, or he look, you know, does this kind of like the way that Amy Johnson's character is working for an animal shelter. You know, this guy likes to eat ice cream out of a fridge full of dead bodies yeah. and uh, build birdhouses to help himself keep calm and collected. Um, yeah, how pissed off do you think his girlfriend is though, when she found out that he'd bet against her in that fight? <laughs> I'd be pissed. It's like, what well, you know, you you expected her to beat me, Jesus, you know. Although that was, um, it was a nice touch as well, you know, the fact that she sort of came up with that idea to sort of, you know, as a way of sort of making sure she she could pay off the debt for her sister and things. Um, yeah, no, I, I just absolutely love this. Love the drama of it. I love Dolph's um, fight scene as well. Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. You know, there's it's a nice element um at the end you know what she does with the money um i thought that was pretty cool as well because unfortunately you know the uh, the other three girls it, it was quite funny that they got knocked out of the tournament so early sort of spoiler non-spoiler um well, the film takes a big twist doesn't it it's like it you, does. You, it's yeah. like setting up one film and then it actually goes oh no actually we're going to do something actually, different. We're do something different but um yeah they, they, they kind of ended up being totally sidelined from that point on you know which, which is kind of a shame you know i was kind of expecting them to be a bit in it a bit more but yeah anyway i'm really, really surprised film. as well with this that it's struggled for a release it's taken quite mm -hmm. a while because it's premiered already across asia um uh the end of 2016 yeah um so it's taken a while to come out and it's quite surprising really you know, it should be a solid sort of DVD, you know, VOD release, really. I'm not sure what's happened there in terms yeah. of um, trying to, you know, get a good release here. Hmm. No, it's a film um, that can't really go, you know, it shouldn't really go wrong. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's an action, you know, a fight, a fight movie about a bunch of really attractive young ladies and, mm. and got Dolph Lindgren in it. It's, a, you know, it's like yeah. a, an easy sell, I think. <laughs> It's been out in America for a while as well. It just seems mm. to have gone completely under the radar, really. Yeah, I suppose when it in comparison. The, yeah, when it opened, the opening credits and everything, I, I, I got a bad vibe. I thought, oh, it's not going to be that good. And then it was kind of a bit cheesy with the, you know, working in the pet shelter. Uh, and then they do the, and then the big act, sort of 
establishing how good she is basically mm. scene, uh, the equivalent of the walking into the uh, convenience store uh, and stopping the robbery kind of moment that you would normally get in, for example, Dark Angel. Mm. And uh, that's all. <laughs> yeah. That was really. It is that exactly. Really it is that, isn't it? It's that sort of stone cold scene in the in the supermarket. Stone cold as well. Yeah. You know, all, all that sort of stuff. It is exactly that sort of, you know, that that sort of uh, martial arts trope, basically. You know, the action movie trope. I love it. Um, it was have these young characters with a lot of backstory and back history. It's like, how old are you to have all this? Yeah. Like, you, you've you've gone away for years and you come back. It's like they look they, they look so young, but it's like. Yeah. They've got this history, and then she's got the ex played by Sean Farris from yep. uh, Never Back Down, yep. looking more like you know, looking more like Ben Affleck than ever. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I always said he looked like Tom Cruise. Is that is like well, I, is, I thought he looked yeah. like Tom Cruise in, in yeah. Never Back Down, but now he seems mm. to look like Ben Affleck. Oh, like it's ben really Affleck. weird. Now, interesting uh, is um, you know Sean Farris being in this. There's a scene about you know late on when um, he well. I, um, Becca tells him about what really happened back in the past, and the look on his face—it's almost as if he's in—he's suddenly in a horror movie, and he's just found out something really, really bad. Because it, it's almost as if he was like sort of stepping back, you know. He's—he's mm-hmm. he's not moving at all, but his whole demeanour is as if he's sort of trying to move away from her at the same time. It was. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I know. What you're you know what I'm saying? It's really good. Now, it's, it's another actor I just want to mention um, in this. The, the guy who plays uh, Micah, um, I'm going to find him on the list here, Short, Sean Brown, he, he's the, the sort of the compare, the guy, you know, the guy who oh, does yeah. the announcing. I, I thought he was really good in this as well. You know, I, I liked his sort of delivery, um, especially at the end. You know, so you're out of your mind, bruv. Jesus, I'm not getting involved <laughs> in this. And it's just that little, that final scene he has where he, you know, he realises that she's stood, you know, hiding behind the wall and he just stops and he sort of says, I want no part of what's going on. You know, I'm really sorry what happened. I'm just out of here. I just thought that was sort of really nice sort of aware moment as well. It's like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I've been mixing with the bad guys. I need to get out of here. In terms of um, the fact that Sean Farris is in this and Dolph Lundgren's in this, have either of you guys seen, because I haven't, have either of you guys seen Stash House that they were both in? I've Stash seen that, yeah. No, I'm getting confused. Um, oh, no, yeah, I, um, I haven't seen it, but I want to. Yeah, that's the one where he's moved into a house and it was used by... Dolph Lundgren's the bad guy. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, that's to, right. a little bit similar to Panic Mother's Day. Room. <laughs> Panic Room. <laughs> and Mother's Day, for that matter, yeah. which is a classic My, Minus the done. budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not one of the best, to be honest. I think... Um, that was a bit dull that film, but Dolph's quite good in it. Right. I got I got the chance to read the original script for Stash House though, and it's a lot more interesting than how the film turned out. That's I think true. there were there were budget problems to that because it, it was part of um, this after after dark. I think it was called. Um, yeah, uh, I, know, I know the series yeah. you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sort of vaguely connected with Joel Silver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So John Hyams next... did Dragon Eyes, didn't he? As well. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was it. Yeah, from the same. So you you would have expected a slightly bigger budget than what they had, really. So it's one of those films where not a lot happens. Mm. No, that's a shame. 
But anyway, back to um, late, uh, sorry, Lady Bloodfight. Um, female Fight Club. I know. I thought the choreography was strong. It uh, was. I'm not sure how. Yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with the the two people behind the choreography, or the, specifically uh, Malay Kim, uh, who apparently worked on Kickbox Vengeance and also the short film The Gate with uh, Amy ah, Johnson. That was Amy Johnson, which is being made mm-hmm. into a feature as well. So. So that's good. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of downplay the um, Kickbox of Vengeance um, sort of, uh, gig if I was him. But, um, yeah, the work on um, The Gate looks really, really good. And and in this as well. It's not, as I said, it's not as showy. It's not a sort of, you know, it, it's mixed martial arts style that we're going for here. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very well put together. And it looks like the, you know, it looks like the hits are actually connecting, which is the main thing. Yeah, and Levy Tran, who's the um, the Vietnamese... Uh, the mm. girl who's a, a, a model apparently i couldn't find any sort of anything about any sort of martial arts background but i thought she looked good in the movie um if, if, if she has no if she has no sort of martial arts background i thought she was equipping herself quite well so we absolutely i like how good you know uh, again how good the choreographer was mm-hmm. so guys scores on the doors I ended up really liking it. Uh, I'm going to push it. Uh, I started out at a six, but I'm going up for a seven. Mm-hmm. Tom? Yeah, I'll go for a seven as well. I'm going to join you both on a seven. I think we gave Lady Bloodfight an eight overall. So, yeah, this is a, a, a very strong um, sort of follow-up to that, basically. It did come out after. I think the, she did actually make this afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, this this is very good. Different style of movie, um, even though you know tournaments and stuff. But yeah, I, I really really like this. It's definitely worth checking out. Our next review is Eleven Blocks, also known as Concrete Gangs of Union City. In this one, a young man called John Concrete Hong has to fight his way across uh, the, a very violent city um, to rescue his sister Bethany, who's um, been held uh, because. Um, concrete happened to sort of knock over a drug deal gone wrong and has got some bad guy's money um rich is this the strangest film you've seen this year well funnily enough uh sort of but no you know what it reminded me a lot of uh it was london rampage <laughs> remember we watched that a while back yes i do remember that. very one. similar kind of proposition i thought in terms of it's a fight movie but very artfully composed uh, this yes. one's got, um, it's got like poetry and it's like up on the screen. Uh, it's it's non-linear. Um, it, it's um, it, it's got bits in black and white. Now the two key sort of influences I think here are uh, Quentin Tarantino. It was funny we were talking about uh, a few weeks ago. Well, you guys, you and Dave were, I think, how Tarantino, you know, style being ripped off. And that. Mm. But the 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 one element of his style that you don't normally see copied is the non-linear sort of chapter structure mm. and that's completely copied here but only for about half the movie yeah uh, you've essentially got uh, episodes and you see one scene and then you go to the next scene which ends up being before it so then the other major influence on this film is memento yeah you've even got um within between the, the um the color sequences you've got a continuing black and white story that's sort of peppered throughout a bit like the, I think it's Sammy Jankis, uh, the, the, the flashbacks 
yeah. story that's happening in Memento. So there's a big Memento influence on this. Um, it's a low-budget movie. Uh, it's a pa- it seems to be quite a passion project. I think it's like an action team that did it. It's really, you know, really decent choreography. I don't love it, uh, and I was a bit bored by it. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm actually very glad I've seen it. Hmm. Now I I was. Um... You still there? Yep. Yep. Sorry, just <laughs> it went a bit funny then. Um, I, I wasn't looking forward to this uh, after sort of the trailer and things like that. Um, I, I thought, okay, so it's going to be an uphill battle. But what sold it for me um, is the scene where he wakes up and it, on his 18th birthday, his dad has sort of knocked him out cold and then encased his feet in concrete. And just left him there to sort of smash his way out. And I thought that is one of the best sort of badass moments, you know, badass backgrounds any character can hope for. You know, how, <laughs> how tough is this guy? He had to smash his way through two huge concrete blocks to free himself, you know, uh, which I just thought was great. And, uh, you know, that's how he gets this nickname, Concrete, um, that another character called Gremlin sort of gives him when he, when he tells him the story. Um, his dad, his dad in this movie is basically Pi May yeah, from Kill Bill. That's right, it is. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I, I was, I was really struck by the, the you know, the, the, the poetry element. I thought that the, you know, this sort of slam poetry kind of thing coming through was just really, really cool, and and just gave it such an interesting flavour. Um, and and the way it was structured as well, it's sort of, you know we, we're um, faced with a particular scenario. We're not really sure what's going on, and then, as you say, we get that sort of like little bit, of sort of black and white bit. Then we sort of go back to sort of see how we got to that bit, and then we go back even further to show how we got to that bit. In the meantime, his sister Bethany's getting herself into a situation as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a bit you know for the first half of the movie, you're thinking. Okay, really, you don't have much of a story here. That's why you're sort of playing around with this, it, because mm. you know there's a lot of repetition. You know, not not too much. It doesn't let things play up too far into scenes we've already seen. But it, it gets to the point where we go, yeah, you've seen this. You, do, you know, we can cut here. You know, you know what happens next because we've already shown it to you. You know, we'll, we'll show you something else. Um, so you know, uh, for the first half of the film, you're kind of thinking, okay. There's there's not a lot going on, but you know what there is is actually pretty well done. Um, so yeah, the, the the fights as well, the way the sort of the big fight scenes are sort of structured. Um, other than the first gang uh, who have guns that he takes out, the rest of them, you know, it's it's they're not so much big martial artists or anything. It's just like a case of overwhelming with numbers, isn't it? It's, you know, there's a couple of gangs where it's like a huge amount of people that he has to sort of like just get through um, until he gets to... They've, of, all got, they've all got a theme, haven't they? This, this is like the, 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 it's like a poetry slam version of the Warriors, yeah. Um, but there's... Yeah, I think there's the last gang with the, with the face masks. Yeah, that, that's Yeah, that they, they were really, really cool. Because the other ones are the... What were they called again? The Knight... Walkers or something, or anyway, it's the skull fuckers. <laughs> yeah, he takes out the skull fuckers. There's another one called the because he goes, oh shit, it's the you know, I mean, Nightwalker territory or something like that. Um, so yeah, because they've got it spray painted everywhere. But um, yeah, it doesn't sort of try and make out that every gang is like really adept at martial arts or anything. You know, they're not. Um, but I thought it was really cool the way they did it, uh, build, building up to 
Yeah, that, that last mask lot. And then, and then the best character in the film, Finger. It, yeah. What a find that guy is, you know, seriously. Um, I'm just trying to find his bloody name now. Uh, yeah, Tyler Williams is the guy who plays Finger. And he is, he is the best henchman I've seen in a long time. Um, this he, is a guy... Is he actually English? Because he, yeah, he plays English. He's playing English. Um, he, he, he's kind of like... He's a younger, more articulate Jason Statham, basically. But, <laughs> you know, he just doesn't mess around. When we first meet him, you know, he's um, he's talking to this guy who's in the in the boot of his car. He's basically telling him that he's fucked. And, you know, he basically, he literally cuts this guy's balls off, you know, and then shows him to his boss to show that, yes, I've cut his balls off for you. Yeah, it is. An, and it's a very good prosthetics, by the way. It is a very, very good prosthetics. You know, very, very gory um, special effect. But you know, this guy is not someone you mess with. And even later on, when you see him training, and he's got the big uh, charts sort of showing all the different pressure points on the body, and he's sort of like he's working out what he can do. You know, if I touch, hit somebody here, it's going to make him throw up. If I hit him here, it's going to make him lose consciousness and stuff like this. It's it's really, really well done. I absolutely loved it. And he sort of graduates to he's the big bad at the at the end. Uh, yeah, there's an interesting yeah, bit. There's an interesting bit because the big bad and supposedly is the chief of police, isn't it? Um, he's the guy who's like you know the, the, he runs all the crime gangs and things like this. But there's a scene this is where set he's, in the near future, by the way, though, is it? Uh, guys. This yeah. is a, this is a um, sort of a the world gone the world's gone mad kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city, mega city, we're t- it's turning into mega city one yeah. kind of thing. Basically. There's there's definitely a bit of social commentary. Obviously, you know the main character being sort of down and out and things like that. But um, there's a scene where the the chief of police is at an orgy or some sort of party, and he's having sex with a girl, and and this blonde girl comes up behind him and starts strangling him. And I really wasn't sure whether or not she was actually trying to kill him or just trying to get him off with a bit of autoerotic asphy- um, asphyxiation. <laughs> and I still don't know. You know, you, you could read, you literally could read that scene either way. It, it's, it's very strange. But um, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I didn't expect to. Um, just one other thing I want to mention as well is, is the soundtrack because there's a, when you get to the final fight, and basically what happens is that Finger um, makes Bethany unconscious or lose consciousness. Or it says, you know, she's going to die in five minutes if you don't, you know, do something about it. So the fight starts, you know, the music for the fight, it starts gaining momentum as the fight's going on. It's probably, I haven't seen anything or heard anything quite like it probably since Maranto um, and the way that sort of dealt with the um, the sound. But I, I thought it was really, really good. You know, sort of the beat, you know, the, the drum beat starts speeding up and the, the, the synth score starts speeding up and sort of becoming more and more urgent as it goes on. Just really, really good. Yeah, for the most part, though, I did find the soundtrack, which is which is a kind of an ambient kind of thing. Mm. For, the, for the most part, I did find it terribly repetitive. I didn't like the soundtrack <laughs> at all. The um, the interesting thing with it, the, it's interesting that we've done this this week because we were talking to Daniel Stison earlier about the retribution, mm. and this film also has a homeless hero, which yeah. I, I thought was quite interesting. It's all it, bringing his own sort of brand of justice in 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 this particular instance to rescue a loved one. But uh, I just thought that was a, a kind of a funny parallel. This was made in, uh, just as a sort of a few trivial notes to throw in. Uh, this was filmed in Toronto back in 2014. 
say, original title is Concrete Gangs of Union City. It's, the reason we're covering it is it's just recently had a, a DVD release as Eleven Locks uh, last week. Uh, they've got the Eleven Blocks from the tagline from, uh, on, from the original poster, which was Eleven Blocks, One Way Home. And the main portion of the movie, like the second half of the film, is him fighting his way through these blocks A to K. And yeah. That's, I think, the last chapter title of that. Um, you can watch, you can say, you can pick this up on DVD or you can watch it on uh, Amazon Prime as Concrete Gangs of Union City. Mm. You know, I, I wish this just had the title Concrete. I, I think that would have sort of suited it so much better. Well, they also released it with that um, Purge, the, yeah. the Purge Three like knockoff artwork, and that with the whole you know gang members with the mask. I mean, I know that was on the that is on the original poster as well, the sort of gang member with a painted face mm-hmm. and stuff. But they've really sort of tried to not re- make it sort of look like a different kind of movie, which I don't sure. think it is. I think I think the original poster is is a lot more you know honest. Mm-hmm. So oh, is- the other thing is if you look it up on Amazon Prime. The, the description of the movie is a completely different movie. <laughs> the, 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 you, you read it and it's like, hang on a minute, no, that is not this film at all. <laughs> I can't remember what it said, but it, it, it was completely unrelated, so that was quite funny. Um, yeah, so little, yeah, I don't know when it was. It's 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 kind of similar, but not. Yeah, it, it's it touches on like a, like a minute of the plot, basically. The closing sort of. Uh, other film that I was reminded of, and it might not be similar to it at all, but it, it really popped into my head. Did you ever see The Purifiers, a British uh, film? No, that that is very much a British version of The Warriors, isn't it? I think it's sort of that's a futuristic the, one. Yeah, Do- yeah. Uh, Richard Jobson, Dominic uh, Monaghan, I think it was. It was it was in it, and uh, yeah, that was the other, I, I saw that years ago when it mm. came out. That was another one sort of about a near future sort of gang, you know, gangs yeah. fighting, but much more. You know, explicitly sort of martial arts gangs in that film. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to rate this a six. How about you, Mike? I think I'm going to give it a six as well. It's not it's not quite up to um, female fight club standards, but it's certainly a lot better than I thought it was going to be. You know, um, I was really impressed with it. It is probably the strangest martial arts film I've seen in a long time. And you know it's got its own unique flavour to it. I, I do recommend it. Uh, um, it's it's worth sort of sticking with and, and going with. Tom, have we wet your appetite? I think I'll give it a watch. Yeah, it sounds quite interesting, and I'm a big fan of the Warriors, so I like that kind of film. Our final review this week is Once Upon a Time in Venice. At least that's the title on Netflix. In the UK, on DVD, it's been released as L.A. Vengeance. Neither title kind of makes sense. Well, no, I suppose Venice does make sense. Um, Bruce Willis stars as a detective knocking around in Venice, California, um, Los Angeles, where he seems to be... You remember um, Space? Do you know sort of Simon Pegg's character? Oh, I've seen it. I've right. <laughs> never seen it. Well, in space, I think I might have watched it once. But... Simon Simon Pegg plays this character called Tim, and he's basically um, he's like a skater boy who's grown up, or hasn't grown up. He still thinks he's a skater boy, and and that's kind of what Bruce Willis's character is in this. You know, <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, still a free spirit. Yeah, still got my board and things. Um, yeah, so Bruce Willis plays a, a detective 
called Steve Ford, knocking around. You know, everyone knows him in the neighborhood. Uh, he has this dog that, for some reason, gets kidnapped by this gang. Um, ends up in the company of Jason Momoa, who's playing the worst caricature of a um, LA gang drug dealer, if you can think of. And he has to do all these sort of chores. One chore leads to another chore for somebody else in order to get his dog back. It's um, it's a real, sh- you know, if you pardon the pun, it's a real shaggy dog story. It, it, there's, there's no sort of real linear plot to it whatsoever. Um, but guys, did you find any enjoyment out of this at all? Let's go to Tom to begin with. Um, Bruce Willis, he's sort of, say, last 10 years since he's been in director video films. Mm. Uh, he's bored the life out of me so many times. So I didn't expect much from this at all. So I was actually pleasantly surprised. It's not a great film, and like you say, the plot's all over the place. There's not really a sort of there's not really a sort of clear connecting thread throughout the whole thing. Mm. Besides his dog, anyway. Um, I thought it was reasonably fun. It's one of those where it's passable, but by the time it's finished, you've just sort of forgotten everything. It definitely helps having the cast as well. I think you know having John Goodman. Uh, yeah. Jason Momoa on board as well. Indeed, yeah. So John Goodman uh, plays as, I'm assuming it's his best friend, isn't it? It's, I don't think they're actually related. Yeah. It's just like his best mate who's grown up with. Uh, he runs a surf shop and um, basically he's going through the throes of a divorce. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's good value in this, that's for sure. Rich, what do you think? Yeah, yeah the, uh, it is a film with a, a very good cast cast list and witness. It's funny to think the I I even though uh, Bruce has been appearing in these DTV movies and, that, and other su- supporting roles in other in other films, I still think of him as a as a as a movie star in like appearing in cinema movies. And, and mm. I was just looking at his IMDb and he really hasn't. So the the fact that um, once upon a time in Venice has gone DTV, it, it isn't really a surprise at all because as far as I can tell. Uh, he hasn't been a headliner since 2013 when he did Good Day to Die Hard, G.I. Joe Retaliation and Red 2. Mm. So, which was, depending on how you look at it, a good year or a bad year, because uh, a lot of people <laughs> really didn't like uh, Good Day to Die Hard particularly. But um, no. yeah, so he's, um, I wasn't expecting a huge amount, but I thought, oh, is he going to be in the film that much? And he is, he is, a, 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 you know, the main character, although the film kind of throws you off at the beginning because it shows you and then it's another guy doing a voiceover and you think, hang on a minute, mm. we're not going to see him very much, are we? Well, that's <laughs> what confused me a bit, yeah, because I expected that other guy to sort of be the one who'll be leading the whole film. The narrator, yeah. But then, yeah, but then Willis is pretty much there front and centre through most yeah. of it anyway. He is, yeah. Which mm. made the the narrator a little bit sort of pointless in the end he was and especially towards you know the second half of the film he just disappears so when he, yeah. when he turns up in this sort of the epilogue it's like oh yeah he was in this you know <laughs> it's like I wonder what happened to him but um it's yeah, a I, weird kind of I mean hmm. Bruce has got his comeback basically this year with Death Wish he, sure. he is back in the cinemas properly with that one um, but this is a completely different kind of beast. It was, I mean, it's compl- uh, it's been terribly missold as an LA vengeance. Oh, Venice God, Beach yeah. is in LA, um, but this is very much a California 
story. And the title, Once Upon a Time in Venice, it's got that kind of playfulness. It, it mentions Venice, which is the, the main point, the main location. Mm. And LA Vengeance, with the, with the title and the cover, just sends a completely different message. You know, you know from the opening credits that this is going to be sort of a, a lively comedy in the voiceover room. It's a kind of a knockabout kind of movie mm. with, a, with a good, fun cast. We get the we get the naked skateboarding scene, which we you know I really could have done without. But I was kind of I, I did it didn't have my full attention, but I was kind of won over by it by the end because I enjoyed the the cast so much. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I thought John Goodman was good. I liked seeing Famke Janssen. And, I uh, almost didn't yeah. recognise her in this. I, I saw her name really? in the cast. She looks like she always yeah. does. But, it, but I saw her in the cast and thought, oh, great, she's in this. And then, like, where is she? And she's in, like, two different scenes. Yeah, and uh, David Arquette has, a, like, a walk past. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was quite fun because um, he and Bamper Janssen did a, a DTV movie years ago called RPM, which is a real, which was a, quite an oddity as well. Mm. But having a look at it, it's like a, it's like a car chasey, a car movie, car themed action movie. Yeah, that was originally going to star really golf, awesome. actually. Was it as a, as a nice little tie in there? Yeah, I All think right. Roger Avery was originally going to be doing the film, and then uh, Dolph and a few other guys were connected to it, but then it got scrapped and then finally made a couple of years later. Yeah, I think it had a really it was a surprisingly low budget film considering the talent involved mm. um, when it was made. But um, to get back to this, we've also got um, Jason Momoa, as you said, who I really enjoyed as Spider. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I've not seen a huge amount of him, but I absolutely loved uh, when they get the, given the cupcakes and, and he goes, <laughs> he's got a hint of cinnamon, yo. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I, that was the first bit that sort of really made me laugh, and I was like, yeah, okay, but this yeah. was pretty cool. I just, uh, I just thought it was just lazy. I just thought it was a really lazy sort of caricature for them to, uh, you know, okay, he, play, he played the role well for what it was, but I yeah. just thought, I just thought as written, it was it's just like a really bad sort of caricature of that sort of style yeah. of well it know. is a, i mean it is it is all it's a heightened exaggerated mm. kind of well adam goldberg's in there as well and the yeah the film say sort of plods along from sort of one scene to another it was interesting to see bruce willis doing a sort of comedy doing comedy again like mm. properly um because especially being playing a private detective which sort of throws back to moonlighting yeah, yeah. the last boy scout uh, all you know, finer moments in his career. But we've got John Goodman there, who's, who's solid support. You know, there's a journeyman. You know, if ever there was one, he looks like he'd lost weight in this. He's one lost well. a hell of a weight since yeah. um, his days of Roseanne and things. Um, I, I, there's one little thing. I, I had to sort of disappear upstairs to see my son at one point in the middle of this film, and I can't remember where the film was. But when I came back downstairs, Bruce Willis was tied to a chair and suddenly dressed in drag. Oh yeah, and yeah. That's like, because he gets <laughs> he gets um, knocked down by the um, yeah. By yeah. The oh, drag queen. yeah. Because because Heavy. the drag queens. I know. Yeah. I mean, obviously the drag queens. You know, <laughs> obviously they they just fit seamlessly into this film. Um, yeah, it, it's just weird. I mean, uh, it's at that point I thought I'd already seen the oddest Bruce Willis yeah. scene ever with the naked skateboarding. The naked skateboarding then, across yeah, the bar. Exactly. They top themselves. But they, they actually taught themselves. But what gets me is Bruce Willis must have read the script before he actually sort of sat down and, 
you know, what, what? how do they convince him to do these? I mean, obviously stunt doubles for the skateboarding bit. They couldn't st- do a stunt double for the for the drag. Um, yeah, you know, the I, I don't know which way he, you know, how he sits with that. Well, he, might you know, have re- he might have requested it, maybe. He might have requested have it, it, who knows. I, now, I, I want to say, this film, with its plot about a kidnapped dog, can't help but make you think of John Wick, obviously. But the film I was thinking that this might be sim- closer to, especially be- being much more comical, uh, I haven't seen it, is Keanu. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, are there, yeah. Are there more similarities with it? Because that's about a cat who gets into yeah. possession of a drug dealer, isn't it? it um, yes, it is. But it is a hundred times better. Because yeah. it's kids. Oh, yeah, I've heard amazing things. Yeah, yeah, I've heard amazing um, things. I do really want to see it. Yeah, you really, really should. Um, no, you're absolutely right. It has got that sort of similar feel to it, but, uh, well, the, the theme, I should say, not feels, not, um, it does have that sort of similar theme link. Okay, um, I think we've talked enough about this film. How are we going to score it? I'm going to go six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Tom? Yeah, I'll, I'll go for a six, I think. <sighs> Okay, I wasn't bored. Yeah. I didn't fast forward through it, um, which is really sort of damning this with faint praise. Um, <laughs> and the cast was good, so I'm going to go a five. I just so, want to give a, a shout out to Dave Wayne who helped me this week because uh, I wanted to because I watched it on Netflix and mm-hmm. I wanted to see how the distributor had handled the title change, and I wanted uh, because they usually, you know, the way these things usually go, they. they if they change the title, it's usually a cut to black and a, and a different font of the title so oh, inserted right, yeah, yeah. into the movie. Yeah. Uh, and what they did was with this one is they didn't cut to black. It's still on the movie. It's on the print, but it is a distinctly different font. <laughs> with a, <laughs> well, it certainly sit well to me. It looked like a distinctly different font anyway. Um, but uh, I want to thank Dave for um, for doing that for me. Cool. It's time for the last part of the show, so let's get cracking with some washing up. Well, the first film that we have to mention uh, is also the first alphabetically. It's our <laughs> old friend Scott Atkins <laughs> with Accident Man. Absolutely. Obviously, I, I saw this last weekend. Um, I'll make no bones about it. I thought it was awesome. I can't wait for you guys to see it and for us to discuss it on the next episode. So moving on, uh, the next one is a film that has... A, Cover art that looks basically exactly the same as a, a Geo Disaster. I won't say Geo Storm, Geo Disaster, the um, the asylum one. This one's called Apocalypse Tomorrow, uh, and it's a, a film we we looked at the trailer for a few weeks ago. It was called Zodiac. This is the one with uh, Christopher Lloyd in it, isn't it? Yes. In a, in, a, in a sort of brief, well, I assume a brief role anyway. Yeah, I think uh, so. The, the cover says Deep Impact meets Armageddon, and I was like, <laughs> hang on a minute. <laughs> Deep Impact was Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. So how could you make a film that's Deep Impact meets Armageddon? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that works. That's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, destruction on a biblical scale, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, needless to say, this cover looks completely different to what the original poster was mm-hmm. uh, when the film was made. I think and aired on like the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, oh, was it originally called two. something, something Apocalypse Zodiac or something like that? Yeah, Zodiac, something of the Apocalypse. That's yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I knew it had Zodiac in the title and Apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) The next one looks very interesting from the cover. I haven't watched the trailer at all, so I'm hoping uh, one of you guys perhaps might be more aware of it than I am. Mm. Baskin. 
Yeah, this is a Turkish movie. Um, I, I saw this last year, I think. Um, don't remember a hell of a lot about it, except it's about sort of three police officers who just got off duty. Um, they get into an accident and then sort of end up in some sort of house which where everything is going very, very strange. Um, yeah, quite gory at times and just like completely off the wall, basically. Got some nice really, cover really art, in- yeah. Yeah, nice cover art as well. That's very striking. Yeah, very good cover art. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised it was a DTV release. I thought maybe it was like a more of a prestigious, um, you know, low key cinema release. But no, yeah, this this not. this did very well on the uh, festival circuit over the last couple of years. The distributor is uh, Severin, and they don't put mm. out a huge amount of stuff. So uh, no. it's, quite, it's quite interesting that one they picked up. I mean. Uh, we had a, a Turkish film released a few weeks ago. The uh, the sequel it was the sequel to the Mountain, wasn't it? I think it was the Mountain yeah. Two came out as mm. something else, and we got the Mountain coming out soon. So more Turkish films coming out at the moment than than I usually expect. So yeah, uh, uh, that's quite so. yeah. yeah, I think we'll have to do a, a Turkish episode. A Turkish one, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, more lowbrow sort of looking horror now. Uh, Circus Kane. Um, yeah, now I, I've, actually, I've actually seen this one. Right. On, well, before, before you jump in, because you know, I, I I'm not t- terribly impressed with the whole sort of horror clown kind of thing, and this isn't really helping itself by having it has a name across the bottom there. You know, holding so, a red and, balloon and a red balloon, and, <laughs> and and kind of looking like Pennywise doesn't really sort of help itself. But I saw the trailer, and I must admit, I I thought this actually look, doesn't look too bad. What do you? How how did you find it, Tom? It's it's a lot different to what the the poster sort of sells it as. But absolutely, yeah. I think um, this is well worth checking out just for Tim Abel's performance in it. All right. Um, you know, he's a solid sort of. He's been around for ages, sort of doing direct video stuff. But uh, I mean, Tim Abel from B Movie Action Movies. Tim Abel. Yeah. From yeah, Stormtrooper with Jim Winorski, directed by Jim Winorski. Yeah. Sniper Special Ops. Yeah. Um, the Jesus. Banks as well. Yeah. Uh, now, he is not a guy I would have expected to see in this movie. <laughs> From the cover. Yeah, he's in it in a sort of interesting sort of way. He's, um, you know, it's worth watching, I think, but his performance in it is really good. Like, surprisingly good. Mm. For that sort of film and that sort of role. That peaks the old curiosity. Mm. Yeah, I did like the trailer, so I'm kind of interested in this one. I'm very interested in Guardians of the Tomb. Absolutely. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yep. Kelsey Grammer, Kellen Lutz, and Grammar. Lee Bingbing. Yep. You just lost me with Kellen Lutz, I'm afraid. Oh, I don't mind him. <laughs> he, he, gets, he gets landed some rubbish sort of films, but um, I actually like him as, a, as an actor. So this is an Australian-Chinese co-production. Mm. It uh, looks on the sort of big-budget side, so big-budget DTV, I think we've got here, um, which is always interesting to see. Uh, heavy on the visual effects, I think, this one. Yeah, so you've got sort of, you know, giant spiders and things sort of crawling around. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see this, just to see what it's like, basically. You know, um, it, it, it's just so off-kilter seeing... Uh, Kelsey Grammer and this kind of thing. I mean, obviously he was in um, Expendables three. Um, it's probably the, the sort of biggest sort of genre role he's had. So, so seeing him in something like this is just like, yeah, it's got to be seen to be believed, really. 
and he was in a um, what was it? Was he in tra- one of the Transformers films as well? Really? I think so. He's, he, I mean, he's he's one of those guys who sort of took a real left field turn, and you know, every everything you see see him in these days, it seems to be, oh, that's a weird role for case of Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. But it's been like that for ages. It was like when he did Beast in the X Men. It was like, what? Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. Like, and then he keeps doing these kind of um, tough, almost like tough guy roles and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff, turning up in these genre films. It's really quite interesting you know, mm-hmm. compared to with his uh, comedy background, or for the most part. But, um, yeah, I don't really know much about Kevin Lutz, so I don't really get where mm-hmm. Tom's coming from on the. Uh, on the uh, he was in the other Hercules film. Yeah, I have part. Yeah, part of it for me. <laughs> that was with Scott Atkins, wasn't it? Yes, he, he was Remy being Harlan. Yeah, uh, yes. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, so great cover art for that. I expect to see that in the top five this week. Mm-hmm. Um, not so good cover art for Paranormal White Noise, the second Christopher Lloyd film of the week. Indeed, this has Rose McGowan as someone who who's you know one of the, one of these people trying to debunk supernatural occurrences. Um, and she goes to a disused uh, metro station uh, where people have sort of had paranormal experiences and she reckons it's just, you know, sort of background noise and things like that. So she's gone down to sort of try and figure out what's going on. Christopher Lloyd plays the sort of local janitor and lo and behold, there's more going on than a bit of background noise. Um, I kind of like the look of it, I must admit. It's, it's um, yeah, a bit weird. Have you, had a, have you know much about it, Tom? Not really. I mean, is it a found footage? No, it isn't. Or... No, no, it's not yeah. found footage, uh, thankfully. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, you know, proper, it's, it's, it's proper sort of narrative yeah. things. But it's interesting to see Rose McGowan mm. in it. Uh, the, the, original, the original title is The Sound, mm. uh, which I think is more intriguing than Paranormal White Noise, which to me just doesn't work as a title. It's like two yeah. different things they've thrown together. It's the residue um, from paranormal activity, still, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Ooh, paranormal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you've got you've got Stephen McCatty in there as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, so, I think it looks quite good, actually. I, I, I like films about people actually investigating, you know, the sort of paranormal, um, and you know, with all the equipment and things like that, and sort of trying to prove it or disprove it. It says, uh, "If you hear it, you're already dead." Which is yeah. one of those. It's one of those things like let's let's put some words into a hat and pull out words and see what happens. <laughs> I wonder if they're sort of specifically trying to lean it towards tying in with a quiet place, maybe. Mm, with that kind of tagline. Mm. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, it is. The, it's just that's just coming out, isn't it? Yeah. Quite, the, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of the opposite of what the, the quiet place is. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's move right, on. Next on our alphabetical list is uh, the new, the latest DC Universe animated film. It's Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay. We covered the trailer for this a while back, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah, yeah. I thought this looks quite good, and and you know the fact that um, the characters are actually sort of playing to their actual characters rather than sort of a Hollywood version, and the fact that it's got fifteen certificates suggests there's going to be, you know, some good carnage and destruction in it. So. And, you know, DC Universe movies, the animated ones at least, are pretty damn good. So, yeah, colour me on board with this one. 
Now, I just want to ask, I mean, I, I know this has a precedent in like comic books, which is why, probably why they, which will be why they do it. But the whole thing about cover art that is in a completely different artistic style than mm. the film, where do you stand on that? Because um, I find it, I find it misleading, uh, and because you know, I think, oh, I'm going to watch something that looks like this, and then you put it on, now, oh, it looks like, oh, it's more of a regular cartoon kind of look. Yeah, the actual cartoon itself has, you know, it is a bit sort of more cartoony, shall we say? You know, it is more in keeping with the sort of TV version of um, sort of the things they do. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't be able to sort of sustain that level of quality throughout the. Um, the film uh, I, I don't mind it you know uh, it's because with the actual sort of graphic novels and the actual comics as well you know sometimes they sort of release two different covers so you'll have like one which sort of fits in with the artwork and then sometimes they'll have sort of like a guest artist come in and do sort of a special yeah. cover as well so yeah 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 um, I can see why that's say that's why they've done it it's just somebody for me who's not really a comic book kind of guy it's like mm. I've, I've I came across a few of these in the past and it's just like oh it kind of it seemed kind of incongruous and you're like i'm used to looking at things that will you know if i look at usually a live action movie or whatever, that, you know or, or an animated film let's say ferdinand or whatever it is you know you look at the cover the poster when you watch the movie it looks the same i say sure. you look at the cover the, the film looks that and it, in, with these it, it always just looks so different and it's almost like an, an answer a letdown because you think oh this looks like it's going to be really sort of different you know that but then mm. it, oh no it's actually it's just the cover which sure. i find oh it's a shame the cover kind of is is a kind of a standalone thing but uh, interesting to see mm-hmm. okay what's next well, the next one is now this is i'm curious about this tall men mm. yes i like the lanes of David Hinge. yeah I, I like the look of this trailer um that's for sure um yeah, oh god, strange things are coming, you know, um, which is a horrible sort of tagline to put on a film like this. This, I think, I, you know, it looks quite unique, it's, it's got some really interesting visuals to it. Um, I, you know, I like the look of the tall men themselves when you see them, and you know, you can see the suits, the outline of the suits, you can't see the faces and things like that. Looks really, really cool. Um, yeah, I think this has got a lot of atmosphere, a lot of good, sort of a strong visual look to it. Um, yeah, I like, I like to, the look of this, yeah. The cover is actually the same as the original poster, so and the title is unchanged. So mm. it's a it's a it's a rare example of a film being released as it was originally intended, mm. uh, which is quite nice. So you can tell it's not actually knocking anything off. Uh, it says a challenged man is stalked by tall phantoms in business suits after he purchases a car with a mysterious black credit card. Weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That sounds but, interesting yeah. to me. But I, I, I must admit, I'm just really intrigued to sort of see see what these tall men actually are and how they fit in the film. You know, um, uh, yeah, intrigued is, is the word, basically. Uh, an alternative title for it is Customer 152. Oh, well, that probably gives away too much information. Yeah, the tall men sounds a bit better. Mm. It's another film that's put out by something called Gravitas Ventures. You you probably notice when you watch the trailer. They seem to be uh, associated with a lot of really good stuff that's that's not, basically, mostly not in cinemas. Mm. Uh, I've I've watched a few films in that recently with with major documentaries and beach films and and all sorts. 
they're they seem to be a pretty good uh, uh, stamp. You know, mm -hmm. you see a film with the Gravitas Ventures, you know, logo on the trailer. It usually means that it's going to be half decent. Sure. Uh, cool. The next one, if there's anything left, let's have a look. No, that's, no, it. that's it. We're all done. Washing up's done. We are done. So that means it's the end of the show. So it just leaves it to me to say thank you, Rich and Tom, for joining me this week. Uh, Tom, that was thank a really cool, much. a really cool uh, Dolph Lundgren. Um, beginner's Guide there's a couple of films I haven't seen on that list so I'm going to be checking them out um, next week is our Scott Atkins episode we're going to be reviewing Accident Man I've got the short interview I mean it's only like five six minutes that I had to sort of sit down with him and uh, waffle on a bit so we're going to put that on the episode as well for next week um, and yes and I think next week is going to be the last episode that we're going to be hosting on SoundCloud uh, we're going to be moving, and there'll be more details on the website for things um, leading up to that as well. So thank you for listening, and tune in again. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments, and tune in again next time.